Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah Alladhi hadana lihaza Wa ma kunna Lilahtadia Lawla an hadana Allah Allahumma salli wa sallam Ala sayyidina Muhammadin Miftahi bab rahmatillah Adada ma fi ilmi La saratan wa salamin Daimain bidawami mulkillah Wa ala alihi Wa sahbihi wa man wala وأشهد أن الله الذي لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله واحد ورب شاهد ونحن له مسلمون وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة عيننا محمد عبده ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى والدين الحق ليظهر على الدين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد يا عباد الله إني موصيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله On this blessed day of Jumu'ah One of the greatest things of all that we can remind ourselves of Is the second pillar of Islam After the Shahadatain Testifying that there is no God but Allah And that our Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the Messenger of Allah. The greatest thing that we can do after that, the second pillar, is iqamat as-salah, establishing the prayer. And ultimately, to the extent that we establish the prayer, i.e. that we perform it in its time, with all of its etiquettes, and with all of the recommended measures that our Prophet taught us, sallallahu alayhi wa is to the extent that we will fare in the next world. This is what life ultimately is all about. Praying five daily prayers and waiting to die. As is narrated that Imam Junaid said, Rahimahullah ta'ala. In other words, is that there are things, of course, that we do beyond the prayer. We pay zakat from time to time. We fast from time to time. And by way of obligation, only usually during the month of Ramadan. We perform the Hajj and Umrah from time to time, maybe once in our life, and maybe a few other times if we're blessed to do so. And of course, there are other responsibilities and rights that people have on our shoulders, that are upon our shoulders. However, the main obligation that repeats itself day in and day out, rather multiple times in one day, is the Salah, is the prayer. This is our connection to Allah. Prayer is the touchstone whereby which we know our state with Allah. What is our state of heart in salah? To what degree are we concentrating in our salah? To what degree are we focusing on what it is that we are reciting in the prayer and simultaneously having awareness of the position of the prayer? Because this blessed form of worship combines all of the different ways that the malaika worship Allah in the heavens and the earth. Outwardly and inwardly, what we say and what it is that we do. And the essence of hudur, being present in our salah, is to be aware of what we are saying and what it is that we are doing in the prayer. And there's a deep wisdom in why we stand. Just as there are deep wisdoms in why we bow. And there are Deep wisdoms, of course, and why we prostrate and why we prostrate twice and not only once. 
and why we come out of the bowing position and why we come out of the prostration and sitting in that very respectful and beautiful way and either in the iftirash or the tawaruk position at the end of prayer depending upon our school that we follow and then we send our salams. Prayer is the mi'raj. It is the source of ascension of the believer. It is the way that we draw near to our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala on a daily basis. But what is important that you and I recognize, acknowledge, and then put into practice is that we are called in Allah Ta'ala's book to have what's called iqamata salah. To not only pray in a more emphatic way, Allah addresses us and tells us to establish the prayer. And there are multiple verses, some of which you've heard before, but we're going to focus upon two. One of them is in Surah Al-Hajj, where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Alladina in Makkana hum fil ard." They are those who, if established in the land by us, what is the very first thing that they do when they are put in a position whereby which then they are in a position of authority, that they are in a position of responsibility towards other people. The very first thing that they do. After Allah Jalla Jalalu establishes them in the earth, aqamu salah. They establish the prayer. And this should be the first meaning in our lives. This should be the first meaning that we think of when we build a home. How do we build our home or the home that we're purchasing? The very first thing that we should do is where, see where the direction of the qibla is. Figure out where it is that we are going to pray. Maybe if our home is large enough, we can dedicate a space or even a room to the prayer. Just as our Prophet ﷺ, the very first thing that he did when he migrated to Medina al-Munawwar, and we all know this, but it's not just about knowing this. We need to bring this into our lives. He established his blessed masjid ﷺ in the this congregational prayer for the believers to come together to worship their Lord. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what it is that we should do in our own lives. If we have an institution or a business or even if we work in some other space that we're not necessarily in charge, the very first consideration should be, where am I going to pray? And if we have the ability, if we have our own business or we have our own space, this is the first and most important consideration. It is extremely sad to go to the Muslim world and to see how in many of these countries they used to adorn their masajid in the most beautiful of ways. But now, the places of worship, the way that they traditionally used to look, now that you see this is how the malls look. And there's no shortage of malls in the Muslim world. And they keep building them. And they actually build them with domes even, in ways that oftentimes that masajid in places of worship were adorned in previous times. And they buy very expensive tiles. And they spend an enormous amount of money on the architecture of those buildings. And at best, if these malls even have a prayer space, it's relegated to some small little claustrophobic room that doesn't even have good airflow. So people quickly pray and they go back to their dunya. And that's better than nothing. And the same thing goes for an airport. Aib, for a Muslim airline or a Muslim country, not to have a good prayer space in a place where you know people need to pray. 
and to have good prayer facilities, and some are better than others. But this should be a priority. And I only know one Muslim airline that even has a way for you to pray on the plane. And actually, I don't recall ever being prevented from praying standing up on a non-Muslim airline or an airline that is run by a, in, in a non-Muslim, that is owned by a non-Muslim, that's operated by people in a non-Muslim country. But I have been prevented from standing up on a Muslim airline. And yes, there might be some modern fatawa that say you can pray sitting, but this is prayer. Why are we looking for every quick rukhsa and dispensation when it comes to standing before Allah Jalla Jalalu? We don't do this in our dunya. Why should we do this in our deen? And I know people that are strict Hanafis even that don't have the dispensation to join their prayers, Dhuhr with Asr, Asr with Dhuhr, or Maghrib with Isha, or Isha with Maghrib. And still these are people, despite having traveled the world, they've never had a prayer go outside of its time except that they've prayed standing on planes. If this is your intention, Allah will make it easy for you. What is dear to you? What should be dear to us? The meaning of iqamat as-salah should be dear to us. Establishing the prayer. And it doesn't matter what people think. And we were just traveling to a country recently, and this happens to be a country that is quote-unquote secular, but it, in liberal, but doesn't seem to have much space for public worship. So guess what? If that's the case, well, you're going to see us pray right in front of you then. If you're not going to give us space for people to pray in your airport, that's your problem. We're still going to pray. And if people get offended by that, well, we're not saying anything about people drinking in the bar right down there, although our hearts that make inkar of that. And we realize this is something that is not beloved to Allah. But why are we embarrassed to pray before Allah? Other people aren't embarrassed to dress in a way that is inappropriate to do things that we know are, dis are detested to Allah. Why are we embarrassed to establish our deen? And I guarantee you, if that meaning is firmly rooted in your heart, Allah will subjugate hearts to you and facilitate for you the prayer. This is the deen of Allah. And we need to learn to establish the prayer. So they are those who... When they are established in the land by us, the very first thing that they do would perform prayer. Aqam salah They establish the prayer at the level of the individual, at the level of the family. What is the state of prayer with our family? There should not be that if a household has multiple people, that four or five congregations, or really four or five people praying alone, there should be one congregation. Unless that there's a necessity, unless there's some reason someone's in a meeting they can't get out of or that for whatever reason they don't get home until a certain time. And so people have already prayed. But if you have a home, the number one most important thing is there be a congregational prayer in your home for those that are praying. And there be one prayer. And our teachers even encouraged us if the People in the household that are not going out to the congregational prayer don't have anyone to pray with them, that you pray with them and then you go out to the congregational prayer. This degree of importance, this is the degree of importance that they that put in the prayer, establishing the prayer. But then the verse goes on to say, was zakah. And then they pay the zakat. 
and they enjoin and encourage what is good and they forbid what is evil. And with Allah rests the outcome of all affairs. When we say that we want to be like the prophets, sometimes that is an abstract idea in our minds. Unfortunately, we don't know what it really means. But the number one way that you could resemble the prophets and to resemble our Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is to establish the prayer. Sayyidina Ibrahim والسلام, in that Surah Ibrahim, after supplicating Allah with beautiful supplications, one of the requests that he had was, Lord, make me of those believers. And of my descendants, make us keep the prayer. My Lord, make me and those believers of my descendants keep up the prayer. Bless me to be from those who do this. In all of its meanings, not just in one period of time, not just on one day, but from even before we become legally responsible. Our Prophet encouraged us to get children used to praying from age seven. And that doesn't just mean that you say pray. That means that you encourage them. That means that you reward them. That means that you teach them. That means that you encourage them. That means that when you see them praying, then you do nice things for them. And all of those meanings. And they might even start joining you before that if the household is sound and it's in a good state. You will naturally see young girls start to wear the hijab if their mother's wearing hijab. You will naturally see young boys and girls just mimic their parents and what it is that they're doing and say, Allahu Akbar, and join the prayer. But then at age seven, this is where it becomes a little bit more official in that sense, until it reaches the age of 10. And then at the age of 10, it's a step up now. Now, there's discipline that's implemented. Very light, gentle, loving discipline in a way that you think about the long term, not harsh, off-putting type discipline. Discipline that is filled first and foremost with rahmah, a heart that wants the best for their own children. And the examples of tarbiyah of those who came before us are many. Our teachers used to ask their various children what surahs they recited in the various prayers that they prayed. What surah did you recite in the first rakah of Salat al-Dhuhr? What surah did you recite in the second rakat of Salat al-Asr? And even on top of that, they would ask them, where did you pray? Who did you pray with? And those who really gave their children proper tarbiyah in a good nurturing would even insist that they prayed in congregation from the time that they were young. But this is how people become great. When you hear about the likes of Marabat al-Hajj or Habib Abdul Qadir bin Ahmed al-Saqaf, people who reach the pinnacle of wilaya in the highest degrees of closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that did not come out of a vacuum. That did not come from watching Netflix or playing video games all day. That came from tarbiyah. Habib Abdul Qadir read over 500 books with his father alone, let alone his other teachers. Let alone with his other teachers. And on one occasion, he was a young man. And his father, as was customary, asked him, because he thought that he might not have prayed the Lord prayer in congregation, 
Where did you pray Salat al-Dhuhr today? And he said, in Masjid Taha. This is the blessed place in Sayyun that has a spiritual connection to Tareem, even though it's only 25 or 30 minutes from Tareem. And then he said, who was on your right? And that day, even Habib was young. He was young. He actually hadn't prayed in the masjid. And so he just mentioned someone. He said, who was on your left? And he mentioned someone. So then, despite Habib Ahmad bin Abdurrahman, who was a great mufti, a great scholar, who had a number of things upon his shoulders and responsibilities and very little time in his day to waste, he didn't consider this to be a waste of time. He went to the houses of both of those individuals. And he asked him, and he asked both of them, did my son pray next to you? Nope. Did my son pray next to you? Nope. So what did he do? Even though his son, technically, that's not telling the truth. But he did so out of haya, out of shame and modesty and shyness before his father. His father didn't go and scold him after that. He went and he talked to him and he reasoned with him and that he connected with him emotionally and mercifully in a loving way. And what was the result of that? Habib Abdul Qadr said, never once from that day until the day he's telling the story did I miss a prayer in congregation. Not once. Not a single prayer. And this is the amazing thing. The teachers that we learn from, this is how they were. And this is how they are. I could say this with confidence that the teachers are teachers that we learn these meanings from have not missed a single prayer from the time that they were young in congregation until this very day and age. This is how they are. Whether they are on the ground, traveling, at home, or in the air. And I remember one time flying back from, I believe it was from Abu Dhabi, with one of my teachers, and the prayer time entered. And he came and he woke me up. And then he said, let's pray. And I had gone to sleep with Wudu and in the Shafi school and in other schools. If you sit in your plain seat and you don't recline too far, even if you fall asleep, it doesn't break your Wudu. So I stood up and had Wudu, and we prayed in congregation together on the plane. Even on a plane. So not just praying, standing up on a plane, in congregation. These are people that prayer matters to them. These are people that are those that have entered into this dua of the prophets. My Lord, make me and those believers of my descendants keep up prayer. O Lord, accept my prayers. The Quran itself begins with these meanings. After Surah Al-Fatiha, which is the first chapter of the Quran, Allah Taala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, after saying Alif Lam Mim, This is the book in which there is no doubt. And the Dharika, the Lam, is for Bu'd, is for distance in the Arabic language. And that really Dharika here means Hadha. You would translate this as this is the book. But Dharika there is for Ta'zim, because the Quran is majestic and it is lofty. And one of the secrets of Alif Lam Mim, the Huruf al Muqatta'a, the unconnected letters, is that this is first and foremost an address to the Arab, those who speak the Arabic language, and by extension, all of humanity. 
but this is a language that you understand. But I'm going to begin my book with letters after the Fatiha, of course, that you don't fully understand their import. So come to this book with humility. Come to this book with humility and with reverence. So humility and reverence. These are the two keys that open up the secrets of Allah's book to you. And if you have humility and reverence with Allah's book, you will have the secrets open up to you, even if you don't speak the Arabic language. And that might sound difficult, but it's true. But then what does Allah Ta'ala say? This is about yaqeen. There is no doubt in this matter. This book is from Allah. That was something as a young 19-year-old man from the Bay Area in California who was searching without realizing that I was searching when I read even the translation of the meanings. It was so clear to me. Human beings don't speak like this. Human beings do not speak like this. This is impossible that it was made up. The resonance of that reality can touch the heart even through a translation of the meanings. And I've heard other converts say the same thing. There is no doubt about this book being from Allah. Allah is reaching out to his creation. You could even say he is manifesting himself to his creation through his book. Our hearts open to receive it. And how does this relate to prayer? It's coming. But also one of the meanings is the greatest way that we can recite the Quran is in prayer. And the second greatest way is outside of prayer in a state of tahara. But we can still recite Allah Ta'ala's book, not carrying, of course, even without tahara, without being in a state of purification. Hudan al-Muttaqeen. It is guidance for the people of taqwa. So right there in verse 2 in the second chapter of the Quran, we are introduced to the muttaqin, which this is the whole affair ultimately is about taqwa. The whole affair of becoming beloved to Allah and transitioning into the next world in a beautiful way, it all centers around taqwa. And what does Allah say? Who are the people of taqwa? Who, how does he describe them? Well, first you have to talk about faith. So when it talks about the pillars of Islam, we talk about the shahadatain. And then salah comes. And then in Allah Ta'ala's book, and of course, that our Prophet ﷺ, his words expound upon the meanings of the Quran. Then those who believe, the first, those who believe in the unseen, and salah. They establish the prayer in all of its meanings. And they give out from that which we provide them. There is a beautiful hadith of our Prophet ﷺ that establishes for us in our minds and in our hearts and in our souls. And we hope that these meanings are imprinted therein and never leave. Imprinted in a way that leads us to live according to the meaning of this hadith for our entire lives until we take our last breath. This is a meaning we all know. But what we want is to put it into practice. The very first thing on the day of judgment that we will be taken to account for is our salah, is our prayer.
So just bring to mind, we are all going to die and leave this world. We're going to depart. And then we're going to enter into the realm of the grave, the barzakh. And then we're going to be resurrected. And all souls will be resurrected, every human being that has ever lived, and then driven to the plane of judgment. And every single one of us will be waiting for the herald to call out, لِيُقُمْ فُلَمْ ibn Fulan. Let so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, stand up للأرض على الله, so that his acts may be judged before Allah. Every single one of us is going to experience this moment. This is a reality, whether other people deny it or not, whether we're truly aware of it or not. This is ultimate reality. And when we stand before Allah and we hear our name called, after hearing our name called, the very first thing that we'll be asked about is our salah before anything else. We're not going to be asked about anything political. We're not going to be asked about a lot of stuff that people spend most of their time on. The very first thing of all we are going to be asked about is our salah. What is the state of our salah? Did we pray our prayers? How do we pray our prayers? To what degree was prayer a priority in our lives? If that's a reality, that needs to become a reality now. There's still time left. And if we've neglected prayer in the past, make tawbah. And all of us have neglected prayer to various degrees. Even those of us that haven't missed a prayer, we've still neglected prayer in many ways. We've either postponed them or we haven't done our part to learn the meanings of them and to focus on them and to give them their right. Because if we are preoccupied to the extent that we just go quickly and pray and then get right back to whatever it is that we are doing, and we put ourselves in situations where we're in particular places where it's not conducive for salah, that's our own fault. That's our own fault. And if we can't get out of that situation because of a work-related reason or a health-related reason or there's some other reason we need to travel or whatever else, Allah is the most merciful. But if we make prayer a priority and we plan our day, we plan our travel, we plan whatever it is that we're doing around the prayer, Allah Jalla Jalala will facilitate for us to pray in a way that is pleasing to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the very first thing. And then Allah Ta'ala will say to the angels, Unduru ila salati abdi atammaha am Look at the prayer of my believers, of my servant. Did they fulfill it in the proper way? Did they complete it and do it right? Or were there deficiencies in the prayer? If they did it right, and they fulfilled all of its conditions, and it was complete, then khalas, it is written complete. But if there were deficiencies from the mercy of Allah, what does he then say? Does this servant of mine have any supererogatory prayers that can repair, that can repair and complete what was missed from the obligatory prayers? And then, if they did, that they will repair. And then, another closely related hadith to this same meaning is a very important hadith for you and I to think about prayer. When it ta we talk about making prayer a priority, 
One of the things that happens after we pray, if we've prayed properly, our prayer itself supplicates for us. And just as the Quran can be the shafi' for you on the Yom it can intercede on you for Yom al Your prayers intercede for you in this world. And one of the things that our teachers said recently is, people want all of this change. They want to do all of these different things in this earth. But if you're not establishing the prayer and praying right, and your prayer is supplicating against you, which as we will see in this hadith, what can you ever hope for? What good can you ever hope for? What change can you ever bring out in society if you're not establishing the prayer properly? And it doesn't mean that they're mutually exclusive, but the point is this has to be at a, the foundation and the center of our religious lives. So what does this hadith say? This is a hadith on tabarani Man salla salat li However, prays the prayer in its time. And performs the wudu well and completely. And when they stand in prayer and they have the proper state of reverential awe, that state of heart of khushu'ah, and they perform the bowing position correctly and they prostrate correctly, what happens? That prayer. When it is that taken up to Allah, it will be radiant and filled with light, illuminated. The prayer itself says, after you, pray it. May Allah protect you as that you, may Allah preserve you as you've preserved me. May Allah take care of you after you have taken care of me. That as you've done me well, may Allah take care of you well, subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَنْ صَلَّ صَلَىٰ لِغَيْرُ وَقْتِهَا But those who pray their prayers outside of its time, do not perform their wudu properly, and don't do the bowing position or the prostration, the prostration or don't have the right state of heart in terms of reverential awe. خَرَجَتْ وَهِيَ السَّوْدَ مُظْلِمًا It will that then be raised to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that dark and that full, full of darkness. And that prayer will supplicate against the one who just prayed. May Allah neglect you. Just as you have neglected me. And then when the time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills. It will be that folded up. And that the way that. A thobe that is old and has holes in it is that tossed away and thrown up and then it will be used to strike the person who they had just prayed it. What do we take from this? As the ulama have said, is that as-salah is the afdal al-ibadat al-badaniyah. The very best form of worship that we can perform with our body is the salah. Its obligations are the very best of obligations and the supererogatory prayers are the best of anything that is supererogatory. Prayer should be at the very center of our life. May Allah Taala bless us to be from those who establish the prayer in all of its meanings in a way that is pleasing to Him. Subhanahu wa Taala. May it become a priority in our lives, and may Allah Taala forgive us for all of the mistakes that we've made in the past and all of the neglect that we have shown. 
for this blessed opportunity to draw near to our Lord, which is the connection to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, our ascension unto the degrees of closest to Him. May Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq wa kulli qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa li jami'i muslimin fa astaghfiru fi rahim Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadan, ashraf al-anbiya wa mursaleen, wa ala alihi al-tayyibin al-tahirin, wa sahabati akarami wa tabi'innum bi ihsan ila yawmiddin, wa alayna ma'ahum wa fihim bi rahmatika ya arham al-rahimin, wa sharawun la ilaha illallah, wa sharawun Muhammad al-Rasulullah, amma ba'd, ya ibadullah, inni musikum wa nafsi iyaya bi taqwa Allah. إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى سادة خلف الرشيدين Abi Bakr wa Umm Uthman wa Ali wa ala jami'i ahli bayt Rasulillah al-mutahharin min arjas wa alayna ma'hum wa fihim birahmatika ya arhamar rahimin Allahumma ighfir lil mu'minin wa mu'minat al-muslimina wal muslimat al-ahya minhum wa namat Allahumma inna nas'aluka ziyadatan fi ad-din wa barakatan fi al-umr wa sihatan fi al-jasad wa si'atan fi al-riz wa tawbatan qabla al-mawt wa shahadatan 'ala al-mawt wa mawfi'atan ba'da al-mawt wa 'afwan hasaba ma'na min adhab ونصيب من الجنة وذكرنا النظر إلى وجهك الكريم آباكم الله نصركم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم وأشكروا على نعمه يزدكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر